Hello, everyone. This is Brad Boyce and talking to you from Dubai. This is HR Learning. This is our podcast. Our, we roughly do it every week. I'm joined by my co-host, Fahad Khalaf. Fahad? Hi, guys. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode. I'm through episode of the podcast. Yeah. And I, I, I know we always say this, you know, we go back and listen to our podcast. Oh, we have an interesting topic today. Like as if we're going to look for a topic that's not interesting. Right, Fahad? Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> trust me, guys. And I think we really, uh, we invest some time in picking up uh, the good topic about it. So, and I think our topic is very interesting today, uh, especially in the noisy space that we are in right now. But I will leave it to you, Brad. Yeah, well, and what we try, I mean, we're, we're kind of like customers of our own content. So we try and think about the types of things that people would want to, to talk about who work in HR, training, learning and development, coaching and mentoring. And so today's topic is, are online conferences and summits worth it? I mean, we're living in a remote work world where a lot of people are still working from home. Uh, or organizations are encouraging people to sort of rotate their time. And we're doing a lot more of our work away from the traditional workplace. And that includes things like the personal or business development activity of attending conferences, seminars, workshops. So our topic, are online conferences and summits worth it? But before we dive into that, Fahad, I think we should take a short break. Exactly. Let's go. I learned a lot as a mentor. Say, make us think. Um, that they said it was rather than because you're in the webinars. Not that way you spread. What's really interesting. When we started this program, the tagline for this was tune in. Welcome back, everyone. So Brad Boyson again, joining you from Dubai for our HR Learning podcast. Are online conferences and summits worth it? And now I don't know about you, but I have attended my fair share in the past few months. I've spoken at my fair share in the past, and I'm sure I'll participate more. And so what we wanted to do, Fahad, today was talk a bit about sort of, you know, our observations, if you will, maybe even some recommendations as participants, as consumers, as subject matter experts. So, you know, again, often we don't really have sort of a starting point to our discussion, Fahad, but what are your initial thoughts, you know, as someone who would watch an online conference or summit, or maybe even you have a better word for it? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, yeah. Uh, initially, guys, I really want to just uh, correct certain uh, things or terminologies that we use. The web webinar, it's, it's a mini or it's a web-based seminar. So seminar is a smaller version of a conference. Conference is a huge conference with a lot of arrangement. But when it comes to a seminar, seminar is like a small version of webinar of, of the conference with certain number of seats, certain number, usually it's not more than 100 in general. And there are certain number of speakers within that area. And very rare you find in seminars one who does everything or you find a seminar, then a workshop with it or something. So it's a shorter version of the, the conference. But when you move it to the web, so it's called web, so website or web seminar. So instead of saying web seminar, they said, they, they said web, uh, web, 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 sorry, webinar. So now, if I hear what, if what you're saying, Fahd, is that if, if, if you had your way, 
you'd kind of prefer that they don't use this kind of terminology of online conferences or online summits. Is that fair? That's fine. Let them use online conference. Online conference will mean that it's a huge online conference space. But when you say a right. webinar, webinar is like a small, short version of the conference, which is limited number, very small number. You don't expect a huge number. And, and obviously, uh, and it's only for specific targeted audience, not for everyone to attend. So I don't know about you, but the numbers I've seen in the events I've attended, they're not huge. They yeah. are not huge. And so to be fair, you're right. I think they, they're, they're webinars, you know, in that sense is, um, but maybe it's, you know, I, maybe it's the industry people who traditionally held face-to-face conferences, perhaps trying to compensate for, you know, the reality that we're living in right now. And maybe they want to portray themselves in a, in that large, several thousand people events but i don't know very many online events right now that are polling seven several thousand people and i don't know how many are polling them and engaging them during the period so again no in no particular order what what would you say are some of the positives of this experience that we're going through right now with the slash conference summit webinar there are a lot of positivity, to be honest with you. And I think um, based on your experience and my experience, we had, we had the chance to be in, in a webinar or a, sem- a seminar or certain areas of online rep- uh, presentation without leaving our office, place, or area. Yeah, yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, second thing, uh, uh, this is also give us certain areas for the companies themselves to lower their uh, speakers' fees. So a lot of people usually ask for a certain amount because then they have to be in a certain out of area, then their time time is is money, then they have to travel. So, you know, and and usually certain areas or certain speakers are asking even for one day, like $150,000, which doesn't make sense comparing to the value that you're adding. But, you know, brand, I mean, brands make make sense in terms of uh, the words itself so here's the thing what i feel in terms of the positivity or the prawns mm. it mm. saves time it saves money and also at the same time it gives more option and instead of just being in the stage we could also be 30 minute 40 minute and we could have number of speakers at the same time also it gives opportunities for people who are willing to be in that space of a webinar so if you have yeah. a connection, if you have you're good in marketing, if you feel there's area of uh, uh, of expertise that you want to share, and I think it's it's you don't need companies that you pay them hundreds of thousands of dollars for you to go ahead and do all this stuff. So I think in terms of positivity, I feel there's a huge positivity after an 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 enforcement or an enforced by COVID for people to be an online. But what do you but think? Here's the, well, here's the thing is, you know, I, I think about some of the face-to-face conferences I've gone to in the past. Some are better than worse, but often, often people will come away with a really positive, you know, energized feeling about the whole experience. Like it, it, it's a way of recharging their batteries and getting excited about what they do. Fahad, I don't see anyone talking about online conferences that way. You know, do you? And I mean, maybe it gets towards, you know, you know, what kind of things can they do 
or what, what are some of the negatives that maybe should be, you know, in terms of rethought or, or pivoted in terms of the way these events are done? What are your thoughts? Uh, this, these are one of the cons that I totally, uh, I don't like it with, the, with the webinars, but this is part of life. You don't have anything perfect 100%. So you have the pluses and minuses, pros and cons, including the car. The car is a transportation tool, but at the same time, it could be a death tool for, for some reason. Here's the thing is, there are the, one of the cons of the webinar is there is no human interaction. There is no human engagement. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. because there are, uh, because it's so cheap to do it with almost zero cost, everyone start doing it. And so everyone start doing it, that's mean you will have, you will have fluctuation and, and the quality itself and the experience and, and everything. So I don't, Myself, I attended a lot of webinars, and, and to be honest with you, um, I hope they don't do it again for, for certain areas. But if, if we, these guys are looking to provide the value, it's, it's going to be great. If it's not, I prefer not, not to waste their time and other audience time. Uh, this is one of the things. The second thing is networking. Networking is one of mm. the main, main biggest sure. factors of any on-site uh, conferences. Absolutely. Okay. And, and there's a, because of the networking, there is a potential business growth or potential business opportunities. And which is here, and I think because people are just trending into the online courses, uh, they, don't ha they don't go beyond the, the conference itself. So uh, what is your idea, do you think, how people... Well, I, I mean, I agree with it, what you're saying completely, you know, and as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking about you know, comparisons between other things that we do, right? We shop online and we go to malls. And if you go to a mall, it's much more of a open-ended exploration for most people. And you may have a few things on your agenda that you want to do, but to your point about networking, you know, you might see a new shop that you haven't seen before. You may go into a store and just sort of window shop and explore, especially when you, you know, if you're talking about learning experiences and bookstores, you know, one of the ways historically that I found some of my favorite books of all time was just sort of getting lost in a bookstore and randomly finding subjects and topics and authors. And that comes to your point about networking is, is the physical conference is, is very much, capable of doing that, but no one seems to be enabling it in the virtual environment. And I'm not really sure that it's possible, but it should be aspirational. This, this to me, like you said, is one of the key elements of why you have sort of these large groups of people get together, be it in person or online. And I, I don't know, it's, I just think that I haven't seen anyone really doing a good job of of catering to the realities of the virtual environment in a way that complements the technology rather than simply trying to replicate what we would do in person. What do you think? No, I totally agree with that. And I think because they are just trying to duplicate uh, the whole process of the webinar, they're trying to get into the space as soon as possible. They're trying to uh, be more commercialized, more than just adding a value. So that's why we don't see a lot of innovation and engagement in terms of the host speakers and also with the audience themselves. But here's the thing, it's not very difficult to engage your audience. It's not even difficult to have a networking sessions. And, uh, and, and Zoom itself, it's one of the easiest part of it that you can create breakout rooms and you could engage uh, and you let the people know each other together 
or have a 10 minute session that everyone introduced themselves and start chit chatting and see what are the business opportunities. Or for example, you could create, uh, we call it networking hour. Everyone has a maximum of five minutes to introduce themselves in the specific breakout room. And then you see what you, if you're looking if they're looking to get connected, the, here are my, my contact details. So I think you need to be more creative and innovative in using the tools. And there is a huge ice-breaking tools and networking tools, like, for example, uh, I personally use polleveryone.com. And I think there are certain areas, I think, metrometers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so these are. So there, I mean, in terms of the platforms, tools are there. Uh, the opportunities are there. Uh, the platforms are capable to do a lot of things. But the question is, are we going to take an extra step of introducing all this stuff? Or are we just going to replicate whatever we want to do? We want to do commercialize. And this is what is most unique with HR learning. We care about the value that we provide the people. That's why a lot of people don't understand is we go a, much more beyond our uh, our uh, standard practices just to offer a value for, for these guys. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. No, it's one of the expressions I'm using to explain what we do for Hard to People is we're like a boutique, boutique LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that, you know, LinkedIn is a, is a, you know, it's a business networking platform, but it is a generalist platform. But when you get into the boutique side, it's a specialist platform. And part of the specialty isn't just copying sort of the, the technology of LinkedIn. It's introducing people in a more personal way. So for example, with the mentors, we, we get online before we do a learning session and we just talk in general and, and get to know each other and build that network. And we want to do the same thing for our attendees. So there's many different ways that we're trying to create that more personal experience that is maybe more familiar with face-to-face and I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's one, when people look at what we're doing and, and sort of spend some time deconstructing it, that's part of where we see this. And it's a learning experience for mm-hmm. us too, is we're learning as we go and we're changing and tweaking things as we go too. But I do think that that's one of the fundamental differences and partly is, you know, is, is the, the learning sessions too, is m- more of a modular or, or, or chunk approach rather than some of these long webinars that can go four hours, six hours, you know, and I'm just, I was talking to a friend of mine last week who was, for lack of a better word, watching one of these webinars last week. And he just, he said he just left it running in the background. So it was like background noise to him while he was doing work. And let make no mistake, that is not replicating the face-to-face experience that you get when you go to a, a conference in person. Yep by no means. But here's a question to you, Fahad. Yeah. Is, is, is the customer the same customer at a face-to-face conference as it would be to the online? So if you think of customers sort of being in one of three categories, there's the attendees, mm-hmm. right? There's the vendors, the sponsors as one category, right? And yeah. then you have the speakers themselves. And each one of these three often have a different agenda and they come together in an event and hopefully everyone gets a benefit for that. But is the virtual meeting space just similar or is one of these stakeholders getting more or less attention than the others? What do you think? 
It's a great question. Um, there is no straightforward answer I could answer this, but here's the thing. The, the mm. odds are the same. Uh, they are human at the end of the day. But mm -hmm. the spam in terms of being, when, when you are physically in the office, you are prepared, prepared physically, mentally, and even uh, as, as a clothing custom-wise. So True. even if you don't want to be, be, sorry, uh, pay attention to the conference while you are on-site conference, you have to because then you have right. surrounding, you are directly, indirectly kind of controlled by the external environment and maybe your internal uh, voice itself. But when it comes to online, you know, online in terms of the control, in terms of the disciplines is a little bit less. So yeah. as human, you will remain the same, but the factors of, or the hard factors that controls you will be much more uh, lower or lesser comparing to, to the online. So here is the thing, for example, for, for people to grab, uh, to grab the, the audience attention, uh, it has to be in a very good, compelling, uh, and engaging manner. Of course. And I, and I know we will come through the storytelling, but I will just also express my, my experience or my, my general practice when an online training course. So I conduct usually to certain, to, to certain uh, private entities and the government training programs and the training programs usually goes three to five days imagine you're just sitting three to five days in front of the pc from eight to two for example oh, and you have two two breaks and you're just listening and the problem that if you're working from home and and, and this is what happened by the way a lot of people don't understand especially when you are an, in a training course so when you're training course in general if it's a private you you they create a meeting room meeting room that everyone is in one room and you take the whole the, the, you take the whole host uh, uh, practice uh, what happens is sometimes the audience uh, sorry the the webcam or the audio start to uh, to unmute itself by by default for certain area and this <laughs> happens yeah. a lot and you see yeah. mothers fathers screaming yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> screaming for the food screaming with the kids trying to teach the kids and so on so they are in a very distracted uh, environment while they are on online conference. So you need to make it very engaging, uh, not boring. You need to have it more uh, funny, playful somehow, uh, social, out of the super formal manner. So there is a lot of uh, things you could do now. The audience still, we said, are the same, but you need to make your approach much more different so i don't blame the audience i will blame whoever is taking care that taking care of the host or taking care of the topic itself it could be a speaker or the host himself i agree with more or less everything that you said i think one thing that i think has changed though in terms of these three stakeholders you know the attendees the vendors and the the speakers is that when you get a big enough event in face-to-face, -face, the primary revenue source for the organizers are the vendors, the sponsors, whether they're paying for sponsorship, whether they're creating booths at conferences, that is crosses the 50% threshold of total revenue. And it can go very high, you know, 60, 70, 80%. And so the other side of it is the actual revenue from attendees gets less and less and less. Yeah. And, you know, when you, 
I think when you look at the online version of the same sort of format, whether it's one hour, six hours, is I don't think a lot of organizers have realized that the ratio is switched. In other words, the way that you're going to achieve some of the things that you were saying, Fahad, is you have to create content for the attendees. You have to focus on the attendees experience more than the vendors experience. And I don't think many legacy conference organizers are, are, are familiar with that. It's a different model. It, it's another way of saying, you know, like in social media where they have that expression, if something's free, you're the product. Mm -hmm. And so in, in the big conference model, the price of attending, it may not be, you know, sometimes it can be quite expensive, but in terms of the total bucket of cost, yeah. sometimes they're free. And that means you, the attendee, are the product. And I sincerely believe that to be successful for the virtual format, you have to completely shift that model where the attendees are the, the content, to your point, about engagement and other things. And if you can get vendors and sponsors, great, but they have to be on the periphery, not as the core product. So I wanted to really dig in sort of, you know, in our final few minutes of this session and get some of your thoughts on recommendations. What are some of the things, let's assume that this model continues and it continues for a while, what are some of the things that you would recommend organizers to do to make the experience better? Um, it's good you ask this question because my answer, my first answer will be a follow-up for uh, on, on your comment. Uh, sure. The only difference to make any webinar difference than others is based on the value that you provide to the audience. It's okay. all about the value. When, when they see the value, so if you would then offer them any product or services, they would utilize it. And, and here is the big game. The big game, it's about the conversion rate. Like, for example, if 100 people attended and the conversion rate, of, uh, let me say, is, is 20 or 30%, this consider really wow, comparing to conversion rate, which is 1, 2, 3, 5%. So, isn't that really still focusing on the, ven the vendor, not the audience? No, I mean in terms of, of in case, for example, if you have a really engaged uh, audience, so if you will offer them an online course, then then here it's a, here it's both parties are benefiting. You, the audience are benefiting mm -hmm. the online course, which they will upgrade and they will upskill their their knowledge mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. experience and so on. So it's a win-win situation. At the same time, the vendor or you as a host also you could benefit financially or commercially. Sure. Here are okay. the thing, but you can't. Here is what, what I notice is when you go a lot of conf to a lot of conferences, it's only words. They are throwing words. They are not throwing real knowledge. They are not throwing real experience. They are not, in some scenarios, throwing a real value. So you True. go there wasting your money, wasting your time, wasting your breath, wasting your whole day for something. Trust me, I went to certain conferences, barely I could even get anything out of it because you're the product you're you're the, that model is designed to cater to the vendors and they sell the conference that fahad is going to attend fahad has certain budgets and decision making responsibilities and so they focus the experience on that model rather than saying what does fahad need they say what do the vendors need and the vendors need fahad you know what i mean 
the vendor should cater their products and services what I build based on the on the need in the market. And this is why Amazon, Airbnb, all these multi-billion dollar companies, they had fulfilled the need of certain things in the world. And, and, and here is the thing. So I am the product, yes, but you will not, I will not going to hand myself to you unless if it's something really worth it. So I totally believe the future is the value. What value you provide to, to the audience and here it's make a difference. Even it could be a very minor micro audience, which is fine, better than having a huge macro audience, which will barely use anything of it. So this is good. So what are market. some examples of those value adds? Do you have some that you can share? Yeah, for example, in terms of even content and knowledge, and this mm. is what we always say, and your trust me, even if you give out all your secrets to the public, 99% of people will not gonna react anything. Even right. if you're gonna, at least, man, at least, even in, in, in webinar, give, give something that will really change people's life. Even one thing, one information. And as an HR, give them one tip. For example, let me say, um, and compensation and benefit, for example, let me say, I love this topic a lot. Uh, mm. Give them, for example, a certain area. How, how do you calculate? Uh, how much employees worth or how do you calculate for example what is the worth of employee comparing to productivity give right. them this, these small tips so at least if anyone will leave they will leave with with real knowledge so in case if they want to dig more deeper and more into advanced level then there is certain product that they can go ahead but just gathering people and and a lot of uh, unfortunately speakers they are not adding a value just trying to do a sales pitch, trying yeah. to go off with personal branding, personal proposition, all these stuff, which is I totally disagree with. If you want a personal branding, open a Facebook, open an Instagram, do what <laughs> you want to do there, <laughs> but don't bother us and, and webinar. So my number one tip is add the value. Number two, okay. extra mile. Always and go meaning. extra mile in terms of just because others didn't, didn't do it, that does not stop you from doing it. So uh, embed, integrate, use third-party platforms, tools, or come up with your own creative tools to engage the audience themselves. Mm -hmm. I, I did not see, to be honest with you, in any webinar, they could use a breakout room. They do a networking. Uh, with all the webinars done this year, uh, my, my only webinar that I ask people before I start, introduce yourself, your name, what company you represent, or if you would like to, and what, what is the role that you're handling? What do you do? And that's such a basic thing, isn't it? You know, that, that, but don't, did not, a, no one does it. I, I, right. And it's, it's a value. And so sometimes, you know, if you come from that world where you're, you're catering to the vendor, not the participants, you don't think about that as, as the value for the event, especially online, especially in the remote world of work where we have less opportunity to randomly meet people, something like that, that's, you know, deliberately random, you know, to use an oxymoron is, is like one of the value adds that you can do online. Other other things to round out today's session? Cause we're kind of pushing our time limit. Time. Yeah. I think we already reached our limits. Um, I'm thinking of the third one. Um, you mentioned it earlier, I think, though. Storytelling. Story story, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do you uh, mean in the storytelling? Storytelling, uh, I, I know everyone has a value to add. I know everyone can, can go uh, extra mile. 
But if you don't grab the, the audience attention in the first 30 seconds or a minute maximum, then yeah. your audience will be lost for the rest of the day or the yeah. rest of the session. So try to master your storytelling. I'm still developing my storytelling. Same, same. Yeah? So storytelling should not be something fancy. It could be from your own experience. It could well, be. I think it should be often. That's when people really connect with people and build that relationship. You know, one of the reasons why people would go see people face to face at a conference is to get close to celebrity, right? And then often you have like book signings and other things. And it's like sort of touching fame. And, you know, I touch fame, it gets me closer to that energy. And in terms of, you know, what you can do virtually, it's, it's what you described too, in terms of storytelling, share that experience. And um, I, I think it's, it's, it's a brilliant way to, to, you know, when you get about adult learning theory, when you talk mm -hmm. about how adults learn, we retain things in that narrative format. And like you, I'm thinking more and more about doing that in my online presentations in various venues and forums, um, because I think it's even more important in that virtual format than in the face-to-face. -face. It's always important, but more important. So I'm going to leave it to you to give the final thoughts on this topic, Fahad. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts. How about you? Oh, we both do. My <laughs> final thoughts? Yeah, your thoughts. Well, you know, I think something that I always talk about is learning from other environments, not just mm -hmm. sort of, you know, we stay in these silos of a profession and other things. And for me, one of the times when I learn things is when I step out of my box. And sometimes that box is HR. And, you know, one thing that I'm sort of playing with as an idea is in the community building side of virtual learning, virtual conferences, virtual webinars, mm -hmm. is how do we create that interactive community like they have in the gaming community? You know, when you talk about gamers who play in these, these multi-user sort of online games, you know, and that's a huge, you know, it's a huge business in the world. It's a huge industry. Mm -hmm. How do you create that level of engagement in a learning environment and more specifically in the HR people side of things? Is it, is it, as you said earlier, is it incorporating certain technologies into the webinar format? I don't know. It's, it's kind of an idea that I'm playing with. It's kind of like if people know that, you know, the program Twitch, like how do we, and there's others out there, but I think what I hear is that Twitch does it the best for the gaming community. Yeah. What's the Twitch for the HR community? You know, what, where's that? Is that possible? Is it make sense? I think there's something there, a seed of something that, that relates to your point in terms of value and engagement. There's one point good you remind me about this one. I don't know how mm -hmm. it, it's the personality and character of the person themselves. Right, right, right. You right. know, I, I will tell you from my experience, I, I do play games. So I play Call of Duty. I play PUBG, for example. And the reason I play them is like my stress releaser tools that I use whenever I'm stressed right. or I have free time or if I want to develop my critical thinking somehow. So I use these uh, yeah. between once in a week, once or twice in a week. That's fine. Now, yeah. Even though you're playing, the algorithm will not pick you up. So it also has an algorithm, which is similar to YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. It's, mm -hmm. it's per click, it's number of time, uh, number of watch time, and number of engagement, and so on. So even if you play games, that will also will not, al by default, makes you very famous, makes you an income, and have a, a huge engagement. Your pers personality itself, it has to be so attractive. So uh, there is a lot of 
for example, uh, best, or I mean examples that a lot of people who with high engagement ratio, their personality is so engaging and so funny or also could be so negative, for example, but people want sure. the action somehow, positive no, action no, no. or negative action. So even if you're on, in a webinar, you need to be more engaging, more funny. I mean, engaging, I don't know, funny, storytelling, doing some, <laughs> to be like similar to a clown, whatever you want to do, it's up to you. But it's all about being more good personality or character and, and engaging. So I don't know how to do that. It's all depends on the audience, the contents, the material, and, and so on. You go, well, go. I think in a few weeks, one of our, our mentors coming on, Kimberly from the U.S., is going to talk about some of the practices you know in terms of we've often taught presentation skills or communication skills but that's always really focused on the face-to-face -face, hasn't it you know job interviews how to sit how to use body language what kind of introductions to use there's so much for that but where is it for the online world you know where what is the protocols in terms of you know the environment that you're in and and sort of the you know the positioning and and you know looking you know is there a value to look at the camera rather than the person because for some of us you know the the other person's image is away from the camera so i think these are some of the subtle communication skills that that are have been really been talked about before and we are super fortunate to have someone someone like kimberly come and speak on h hr learn in in a few weeks so i really look forward to that yeah me too me too i would love to Okay. Well, I think this was a, a, a much like a lot of topics we do, Fahad. These are discussions that we could do a lot of more talking about, but I think we did a pretty good job of bringing to the surface some of the key areas that we yeah. focus on, and I, I suspect other people focus on as well. So I'm going to wrap things up with that. I want to thank Fahad again for today's podcast and his insights, and remind everyone our slogan for HR Learning is tune in. Yeah. So, Fahad, do you want to say something? Before yeah, I want, I want to say something before that. Just uh, if you're listening in other uh, platforms, kindly note that our main platform is anchor.fm slash and And there you could share your thoughts by sending us a voice message if you download the app. So you could share your thoughts by a voice message or typing, whatever. So we could also integrate it within this episode. Or maybe we could have design or a dedicated specific episode for answering all your questions and answers. Also, don't forget to uh, hop into our website, which is hrlearnin.com and for further details for there. So slogan over to you, Brian. No, good information. And thank you for making sure we get that out there. So thank you everyone for listening. And once again, tune in, skill up, pay it forward. Until next time from Dubai, HR Learning. Cheers. Goodbye, everyone.